Welcome to episode 198 of Defenders of the Bank, an LAFC podcast. 198. 198. We are inching ever so closely to 200. For those that don't know, and oh, you will know, I am the once proclaimed Toast of the East Coast. I have since decided to honor my ancestry with a nickname, Rince. You can now call me Philly, the Gypsy Prince. And joining me in the lawn of Dale, a man whose ability to teach never fails, a man who is far too kind to charf, my partner in pod, J.R. Liebert. The scarf. What is charf? Let's, oh, let's just, I have a lot to unpack. All right. So Philly did not tell me. He told me just to hold on your butts. And, and here goes the intro. So a lot to unpack. Charf is a word I need to look up. I, I actually don't know that word. So I'm excited about that. The gypsy prince. Yeah. You're, you're okay. So is this uh, like Tyson Fury now retiring from boxing? You're assuming the next great gypsy superstar. I'm assuming, right? That's it. Uh, yeah. I figured, let me, let me honor like some of my ancestry because can, like. Can you explain, by the way, to those out there what it means to, to honor them by saying you are the gypsy prince? So uh, my family's Romanian and my entire life I got clowned on for being a gypsy. So I figured I'm going to embrace it from here on out. The gypsy prince. And if you tune into LAFC 360 tomorrow, which we're recording this on Sunday, June the 19th, Juneteenth. We'll yep. talk about that later as well. You'll uh, you'll see an interesting costume that I'm going to be oh, donning. Oh, boy. Uh, from here on out, anytime I will have the honor and privilege of being on LAFC 360, <laughs> it'll always be with a very interesting and loud outfit. But to combat and answer your question, because I know there are several people out there, the millions, and millions. wondering what the hell charf means, I'm going to explain to you right now what Charf means. Go ahead. Now, your nickname has very few words that rhyme with it. Yes. And you can only use barf so many times. And we have. Yes. And so therefore, I had to go to the Rhyme Zone website and find words. Charf stuck out. And the reason why it stuck out is because it the definition of it for you, for all you guys out there and gals, it's um it's it means to mock, tease or jest in a good-natured way. So I figured that was not at all like weird and condescending, and it happened to rhyme with scarf. So hence, the word of the day, if you listen to Pee Wee's Playhouse, charf. And there you have it. Huh. Just in case you guys are curious, other words that rhyme with scarf, uh, barf and snarf are the two biggest. <laughs> I know, I, snarf, snarf, right? snarf. Uh, Thundercats reference. We, we've got... Uh, Harf, H-A-R-F-E. Yeah, that was that was dumb. But can also be spelled with two Fs at the end. No, no, no E. Yeah. Uh, lots of different takes on sh- scarf or sharf, right? Y- yes, exactly. And, and then flarf. Y- y- flarf. So and, charf seemed easy. And I've actually heard of flarf. Flarf, this is the, the teacher in me. It's an avant-garde poetry movement of the early 21st century, rejecting conventional standards of quality and exploring atypical subject matter and tone. Flarf poetry. It sounds like something you'd catch in the Kama Sutra. Now, you know what it is? Chapter 27, it's, Flarf. It's, it's actually just BS poetry. It's like you can make anything. It's like what Eddie Vedder does with all of his song lyrics. Sorry, Jason. But that being said, uh, I, I like it. Charf. Yeah. Charf. I'm, that's I mean, a new one. I mean, it's again, it's going to be really hard to find more words. I'm going to have to create words. Yeah. No, to, there was one other thing I wanted to unpack. It was something in the beginning of your intro, but I, I don't remember what it was now. Oh, Sorry. and something to do with our episode numbers? Oh, yeah. You said, by the way, uh, Defenders of the Bank uh, LAFC podcast. We are the most LAFC podcast on earth. I know, and you know that, Philly. But that being said... 
I was trying to be subtle because I was going for the big impact, the no, big I, pipe bomb. I am no longer the toast of the East Coast, the Gypsy Prince. The Gypsy Prince won Christian Philly Philemon. That's going to be fun to rhyme with for a couple of our intros. Philly, it was a it was a really fun weekend for all four of us, actually. You got to hang out with the Gremlins all weekend. Oh, we haven't officially announced the Gremlins, though. We Oh, well, I mean, let me get out of the way. Officially announced the Gremlins. Okay. So, are, ha- they, we- are they, have we figured it out? Are they officially yours yet? Or are you still technically fostering the Gremlins? Le- <laughs> legally, until they go to their neutering appointment on July the 11th, oh. they're technically within my foster care. But the minute... Their nuts go bye-bye. Then they legally become mine. But, I mean, one way or another, they've certainly found a home in Philly Monster Studios. Yeah, so Philly adopted, Philly and Panda, have adopted the three kittens that Nina was fostering. And then there was a whole thing with, I don't know, paperwork or something. So now they're technically still fostering these three kittens. But Harry, Haggard, and Hufflepuff... Uh, they've gotten so big in the last couple weeks. Too. They they were once the size of an iPhone. Now they are about the size of a um, I don't know, like I guess maybe like like a place like the length of a PlayStation. Let's, yeah, let's, there you let's go. keep it yeah, that they're, way. They're you know we can, they're, they're they're getting bigger is what we're saying. And they're and we call them the Gremlins because you know Mogwais are cute. Gremlins are bad, and one in particular, Harry. He um <laughs> he he's adorable, but he's um. Yeah, let's put it this way: like he found a staple in like the carpet and was chewing on it. He uh, here's the mo- here's the most interesting thing, and obviously nobody wants to hear about all the cats, but y'all know how much I love Schmitty. This is very like therapeutic for me. Yep. I woke up one morning and I noticed that my loofah from the bathtub was on the uh, on the floor. Stop. Yep. So that was one. So the loofah. This is your just, loofah from the bathtub. Yes, I, I utilize a, a loofah. Just want to make sure everybody got that. Yes, I, I am not ashamed at admitting His, I utilize a loofah. What, what color is your loofah? Uh, previously, it was like this weird kind of like you know like teal. Now it's a black loofah. Um, which I'm surprised I see because I had like this black marble floor in my bathroom, and I I found anyway. That's not the point. The point is I was making the bed, <laughs> and in my bed I noticed an object. As I looked at the object, it was like the drain stopper that you'd have in the tub if you want to lay in the tub, like the thing that stops the drain. And loofah ha- yourself. Harry, and, and loofah, Harry took it out of the bathtub and somehow, and this dude's tiny, and right. he somehow jumped in bed, played with it, left it there while the covers were like all crazy and whatnot. And uh, yeah, and that's still not the first time. So I'm finding weird objects in the bed right now. I, I, <laughs> there's, there's a lot to unpack with that one. Uh, by the way, in I case you're wondering, playing study. the Troubadour tomorrow night is Black Lufa. So that's going to be kind of fun to Ooh, go see I, them. That'll I be, like it. I like not it. not a bad one, right? Uh, the three of us, Philly, while you were loofahing yourself in uh, beautiful Burbank, <laughs> California, we were actually in Seattle, the Emerald City. Nina, Panda, and I flew up for not just one, but two, uh, 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 two soccer matches. We had a whole lot of fun up there at Lumen Field. We basically, uh, we drank a little bit, then went to Lumen Field, then ate and drank a little bit, and then went back to Lumen Field, and then we ate and drank a little bit, and then we got on a plane and came back. That was pretty much it. It was a whirlwind of a trip. We had a blast. Couple of things I have to unpack from that. First of all, 116, I think it wound up being almost 120 total uh, LAFC supporters, members of the 3252, members of the black and gold, the millions. And millions. All came up to Lumen Field on a, what wound up being a beautiful day on Saturday. It was really cool to see and hear their support from the corner there of the stadium. I got to say, Seattle does have it all figured out where to kind of put them to make the least amount of reverberation in the stadium. And still, And still, they killed it. That was really, really cool to see. So much fun to hang out with everybody there. We were up in what's called the Bird's Nest, which is the Ah, coldest ah. and highest part of that place. 
It was it was chilly, that's for sure. But we were all good, actually. There and Philly, there were these two kids right behind us, but one in particular who was leading the charge. And and literally, I'm sitting there with Nina and Panda to my left, and these kids, Philly, are doing play by play. There's like seven or eight year old kids hmm. doing play by play. But the one kid, I mean, he's just giving it everything he has, but he doesn't know a single thing about the sport or the players. And so he was calling everybody in LAFC the white guy and everybody on Seattle <laughs> the green guy. So it was the green guy passes to the green guy over on the other side, and then he passes it forward to the other green guy. Oh, and the white guy takes the ball away from him. And it, I look over, I was like, I thought Philly wasn't coming with us on this trip. It was, <laughs> I literally, it was like a little you out there behind me. It was really cool. These little kids were absolutely hilarious and cute. But I do, I want to want to brag for just a minute, if you don't mind. And Casey and Sakina, I really hope you guys are listening because you're my only backup on this. All right, so here's the thing. I am awful at the game of pool, billiards, the, you know, the hitting the cue ball with the stick and then making other balls in the pockets. Giggity. But I'm terrible at this, you guys. My cousin, who's like seven, eight years old, older than me, he tried to teach me how to play pool when I was younger. I'm awful. I'm awful. My dad supposedly was very good at pool growing up in the mean streets of Utica, New York with his, his, uh, brother, my uncle Chet. Canada is dangerous. Yes. No, that's not Canada. It's still New York, but barely. Um, but that being said, I'm awful at pool. And Caesar from Sinfiltro and Casey and Sakina and I were all hanging out at about 1230, uh, real late at night on Friday. We had just gotten in and I texted the group. Anybody up? I tossed my bag in the hotel room, got right back out. I wouldn't recommend walking from the Renaissance Hotel in downtown San Diego to the Owl and Thistle Irish Pub because I literally, and I'm not saying this in a joking way, I'm actually taking this rather seriously, literally stepped over a crackhead on my way to from the hotel to the bar. So we get there, we order, uh, there was, uh, what was the brewery's name? Oh, a lot of people were talking about it earlier. They went there. Can't remember the brewery, but it was a local beer. I only wanted to drink local beer when I was there. Had a couple Raniers at the game, but this was a different one altogether. And we're sitting there. I got a round for everybody. We're hanging out. And it was my turn up in pool. Caesar went to go get a second round. And as Caesar left, I proceeded to make four balls in a row in this game of pool. The single greatest run that I've ever gone on. And it was Caesar and I on the same team. Uh, and I, I think we wound up winning. Maybe it was because Casey scratched on the eight ball. I don't know. Then the second game, there was an impossibly hard shot that I made. It was awesome. But... True to form, I scratched on the eight ball in the second game and we lost. So luckily, the uh, old form came back out. I, I'm terrible at pool, guys. I'm terrible, but I had my best moment ever. No, so. I'm proud of you, man. Like getting your balls in other pockets, it's great. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had a great time. We went to both matches, the Sounders game, the Angel City game. It was super fun. Uh, shout out to Ben and Imelda from Relentless and everybody uh, who was there. Uh, ben drummed for the entire Angel City game, which was awesome. And and shout out to Imelda. Didi Harachich threw her gloves at two That's for so cool. Imelda. I love Didi. And, and I, she was hilarious. She was fanning herself with the gloves and this and that. It's- Didi, get out of my laboratory. <laughs> So it was a really, 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 really good time up in Seattle. I highly recommend it if you are listening and have never been. It is my favorite city other than Los Angeles in the United States. No, that's cool. I mean, it looked like you guys were having fun. I'm, I'm glad I got to actually like hang out and chill. It was a very much needed break. Obviously, we were off for three weeks. Yeah. It wasn't just the players and the staff from LAFC that were hanging on by a thread. Scarf and I were sort of dying, <laughs> dying. in our own little ways as well. So this va- vacation came at, at a very good time. Hung out with our good 
buddy Chris Lafferty. That was fun. Went to Rockin' Riley's, the official LAFC watch party down by USC. And uh, that was actually the first time I walked around USC's yeah, campus. Yeah, it's a nice campus. It, it was quite nice. Not as nice as Indiana University's, but, you know, not saying anything you know, that you don't already know. Oh, um, but, yeah, it was, it was fun. I was on... I was on 110 with the watch party for a bit. Uh, you were there on the watch party for yeah. a little bit. Jordan Harvey was there. Max Bredos was there. Jessica Black was there. Um, it was cool. No, I had a, had a really good time. Got to watch the Adam Sandler movie Hustle on Netflix. Lots of that cameos, was re- you were saying. That was really good. And I've been sober for a week. And this energetic, so uh, <laughs> that's pretty good because we're about to go into a gauntlet of a bunch of games coming Where up here in the next is week. Philly, and what have you done with them? I have no idea what happened. Well, you know, it's again hanging, hang, running on fumes, and the only <laughs> thing that kept propelling us was those late night boozy sessions. I needed to detox. My well, friend. look, you mentioned it, Philly, episode one ninety eight, just two away. From 200. And what are we going to do for 200? We're, we're hoping we have a couple of cool things planned. We are, we're working on a few things. Things are in the works. Yeah, it might be episode 202 or 203 by the time they get it, we get it done. But Look, we'll, we'll get something done. Or we'll actually, just skip calling it 200. would be like, go from 199 to 201. Oh, goodness. And we're actually, we just thought, we talked about it right before the episode. We're actually planning on something kind of a little fun and tongue-in-cheek for 201, maybe, if we can make it happen. So we'll see. We got, we got some fun stuff planned for you guys. Just want to remind everybody that the Mauricio Mofasio Futsal Court... Uh, we are fundraising for that in Southeast LA, LAFC, the LAFC Foundation, and the 3252 are partnering to build a futsal court in Southeast LA in Mo's honor. And the link to donate is in our bio. And we at Defenders of the Bank are planning several ways to help raise money for this court being built in Mo's memory. Let's do a quick rundown. We've got this day in LAFC history, a few news and notes, and a quick look at both the Las Vegas Lights and Angels City, a breakdown of the match versus Seattle, and then we'll take a look at the standings and the schedule. Quick reminder, if you're not already, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Defenders of the Bank and on Twitter at Defend the Bank. Tell your friends it's going to be a lot of fun as we near 200. Philly, a very quick this day in LAFC history. You mentioned it. We are recording this episode on Sunday, June 19th at just about 6 p.m. But on the 20th, June 20th, 2018, LAFC defeats USL side Sacramento Republic FC 3-2 in a round of 16 Open Cup match at Bank of California Stadium. Goals scored by Benny Failhaber in the 58th minute, Diego Rossi in the 67th minute, and a late goal by Latif in the 89th minute. Hold off a very game Sacramento Republic squad. They got four yellows in the match, did Sacramento. Also on the 20th in 2019, LAFC was losing 1-0 to San Jose before roaring back at the bank in the 2019 U.S. Open Cup round of 16. It was Diego Rossi once again, followed by Adama Diamande and Carlos Vela to lead the comeback and eight saves for San Pablo, Pablo Cisniega. Lots of names from the Wayback Machine for LAFC in that one. That is this day in LAFC history. Philly has his hand up. Well, yeah, I have my hand up. So this week, we're all going to become Sacramento Republic fans. Oh, absolutely. Because on Tuesday, they take on our arch rivals, the LA Galaxy. And uh, we're all Sac Republic fans this week because it sucks that they booted us out of the Open Cup tournament. But the exact revenge... To see somebody enact revenge on our behalf, it'll be fine. And you know what? If they could beat the Galaxy, 
I will become a Sacramento Republic fan whilst they are in the USL. Yeah, look, I uh, I picked up a scarf of Sacramento Republic. <laughs> no way. As uh, as they are a team that we have defeated, and look, every team that I see play LAFC in person, I pick up a scarf of theirs. I actually did pick up a new scarf. I know we didn't beat Seattle this weekend. Spoiler alert. But uh, I did pick up a new scarf. They have, and I'm assuming LAFC is going to make one of these too. We'll have to see. And Philly, I know you're going to touch on this in just a minute too. But they had a cool Juneteenth commemorative scarf. Um, the Seattle Sounders did. So I wanted to pick that up while I was there just as an homage to obviously uh, Juneteenth and what it commemorates, but also for going to the game. And it's kind of like a you know a little souvenir. So. Yeah. Speaking of Juneteenth, those yeah. tops and those jackets that Adidas have released lately. I saw them in person. sick. Like, I, I love it. They're un- I saw them in person. I, I actually don't love the top as much as I love the jacket. When I saw the jacket, I was like, oh, Philly's absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it. I didn't love the way it looked on the Sounders uh, uniforms, by the way, on the kits, because you could hardly see with the way the oh, coloring the numbers, was on the yeah. back of like their green. Yeah. But I mean, dude, those the, the tops and the jackets, like fire. Like I love it. Yeah. The louder the better. It's... You are definitely gonna buy the jacket. Oh yeah. I'm I'm sure you're Well, I mean it's cheaper jacket. than <laughs> it's, I think it's just as much as the top is. Yeah, actually. it's like forty nine ninety nine or something like that, or fifty I don't know what it is. But it's 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 cheap enough. So uh Philly, you are the uh you're the numbers guy, the business guy, the the financial guy. Uh oh. Uh eleven days, Philly. 11 days is how much longer Carlos Vela has on his contract. Talk about July 1st, the coming fiscal year, Carlos Vela. I mean, guys, we might only have two more games with the captain. No, it, uh, contractually, yeah. And it's kind of crazy. I mean, so many pundits over the last couple of weeks have all but like assured people that are even reputable pundits on the MLS side that this deal's getting done. No problem. Carlos Vela's going to extend his stay at LAFC. It's going to be potentially another 18 months, yada, yada, yada. But then, but then he, he goes off. He goes off and says that, you know, he wants to stay. Recently, the other day, that he wants to stay. He wants to stay, but in the end, it's still a business. And as much as he wants to stay and play in front of the uh, the faithful of Bank of California Stadium, that, you know, he is prepared to go somewhere else should things not come into play. So what that says, Scarf is drinking, and I am not. That's, that's, that's well, weird. It is weird, but no, I like it. I, I like feeling sober. Um, and I just lost my train of thought, which means maybe you were I do need to Carlos Vela. So contractually speaking, the game against the Red Bull on the 26th and the game against FC Dallas on the 29th are technically and contractually Carlos Vela's last game games until he either goes or we sign him for another contract. Now, I was talking to Vince LaRosa about this the other day, and he had mentioned, well, they may be keeping things quiet because there was another very big LAFC signing over the three-week break that we didn't get to highlight. We talked about it. It seemed all done, but it's officially official. Scarf has a member of the Azuri, oh, the Azuri. Not just a member, the captain, baby. Yep, oh. yep. No, I understand your excitement. Oh I understand God. Vince LaRosa's excitement. Bring I understand it. a lot of people's excitement. So uh, maybe because that signing needed to take precedence, they were keeping the Carlos Vela thing under wraps, but... When Vela said, yeah, I mean, he's be prepared to leave. <laughs> he's open to signing somewhere else. I was like, oh, crap. I mean, at this <laughs> at this point, it's kind of smart if you think about it. Maybe they still haven't, like, agreed upon a number. Um, and so he's just doing what he can to be like, hey, you know, like, I'm ready to go. Right? Pay me. Like, wiggling <laughs> wiggling that beautiful hair of his, those those locks of luscious love. <laughs> I don't know. see the move that Philly just did, by that, the way. That, 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 he was that, wiggling that, something, but it wasn't his beautiful hair. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, that's the crazy thing. So yeah, signing yeah. Chiellini is great. Our team is off to a great start. We're 9-3-3, three, and three, best in the West, still best in MLS. But we haven't officially signed Carlos, and that kind of makes me nervous oh, at this point. Oh, 100%. Look, uh, there were rumors again, again, of Jonathan Rodriguez over the last couple of days. Well, yeah, well, it, th- those rumors are, so the, the deal between like um, like his former club and his, his Middle Eastern cl- Saudi Arabian uh, club. Al Nasser. Yeah, the, the... so like they, they want to make that deal done, but LAFC's trying to throw like their, their name in the hat as well. I, and I've, I mean, I've read, look, you, you can't really trust much of what comes out in the media about a lot of these, especially these overseas deals. Never but... trust the media. But uh, apparently, we don't, though. shocker, Jonathan Rodriguez is not super happy playing over in the Middle East. I, I thought that was a really weird signing, uh, really weird choice for him. I thought he would have been much happier either staying in Liga Emekis or signing with LAFC, obviously. And look, money was a thing, right? He took a little bit more money to go to the Middle Eastern League out there. But I, I thought that was a really poor move. Carlos Velo, though, we're talking about... His 100th appearance, 100th appearance in a Major League Soccer match was yesterday against the Seattle Sounders. 116 appearances overall, according to Transfer Market. 73 goals, 33 assists in an LAFC uniform. Just over 9,000 minutes played. It's one of those things, though, guys, that... (sighs) Philly and I are both very nervous about this. It's going to be... Look... So we we're gonna we're gonna talk about this a little bit more on 199 because it, it's obviously if if nothing comes out by the time we play our next game it's really gonna be a hot topic conversation with just three days left uh, until his potential last game against FC Dallas on the 29th but we know Carlos Vela has not been Carlos Vela this season with the exception of opening day. Well, no, I mean a couple opening day, a couple of games. I mean, if you look, I mean, he's still our leading scorer. I mean, he's got, what, six goals on the season sure. so far? Yes, he did score three of them against Colorado. Right. I, I totally get that. But, um, I mean, maybe he's just holding out. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. But the crazy thing is, if they let him walk, right? If he walks, right. this is, like, unprecedented. Right. To let your designated player, the cornerstone of your franchise, the first ever signing in the history of this team, a guy who set records, help put this club on the map, to let him walk like this would be insanity. I don't think it's going to happen. But that's but to me, like from what I know, until you sign your name on the dotted line, it's all philosophy and speculation. So maybe I don't think it's done at this point if he obviously made the comment that he did the other day, but it would be absolutely ridiculous and crazy to me uh, to lose Carlos Vela in this way, especially if we lose him to another MLS team. Yeah, look, we uh, he's played 14 matches on the season, 12 starts, just over 1,000 minutes, six goals, three assists on the year. And has he been the best player in Major League Soccer this season? No, no. he has not. Not even close, but you look at the scoring list, you look at where he ranks on it still. I mean, he's right near the top, you guys, at six goals. And yeah, you know, he's had a penalty goal here or two. He scored three in the first match. I am I am on record. Philly is on record, I believe, as both saying we are better with yeah. than without I Carlos, lose Vela. Carlos Vela. Uh, speaking of a guy who we're going to be better with, a little bit. I, I love people, by the way, that don't read on Twitter, Instagram. I mean, it's no shocker that people have some really stupid takes out there <laughs> if you go on the internet. Uh, those people railing against... Well, why isn't Brian Rodriguez even in the 18? What's going on? Why is he against Seattle? Do they not want him to play on turf? Is he a prima donna and doesn't want to play up there? 
No, knuckleheads. He's getting his green card and had some issues traveling and getting back. Yep. Read LAFC News. This is a huge moment. I think it might even have to do, by the way, Philly, with the fact that Giorgio Chiellini is going to sign on July 1st officially and take up an international roster spot that currently I don't think we have. So by Brian Rodriguez, oh, by Brian Rodriguez getting his green card, he actually opens comes it up off for Chiellini of the international roster spot, which is huge. Guys, just do a little research. Just hit Google before you hit send on your tweet. That's just try that first. Because then all these people that were pissed off about Brian, well, these same people, by the way, were pissed off today about LAFC loaning Eddie Segura to the Las Vegas Lights. Philly, let me tell you something. I got to watch Clayton Kershaw, one of the yeah, greatest yeah. pitchers of all time, pitch for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. And did the Dodgers faithful freak out? Oh, my God. They just sent him to double A. No, you knuckleheads. It's called a rehab assignment. Hmm. Anyone and everyone <laughs> who has seen Eddie Segura in the last month or two knows that he's starting to run better, starting to look better, starting to feel better. But we've got to see now in game situations how Eddie is feeling. And I'd much rather have them do that on the back line of the Las Vegas Lights getting significant burn than going straight out and playing for LAFC You're in these wrong. next couple matches or even... Uh, making his debut for the season back again against the Galaxy. There's just so many things to unpack there. But Philly, we could have Steady Eddie back in the lineup. No, soon. that's that's going to be great. I mean, the Las Vegas Lights did, in fact, play today. We're going to give you the update. It's very interesting. No spoiler alerts there, but it's very much an LAFC uh, oh, affair. We'll huge. talk We'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, no, I'm with you. It's, it's great to see him get back out there, um, getting, getting an assignment with the Las Vegas Lights, playing in those matches against the San Diego Loyal. It's... He's, he's, we can't, here's the thing, and I said this on, on, on LAFC 360 the last time around. With him coming back, you can't expect him to go a full 90 just yet. No. And you can't expect him to be the shutdown, lockdown defender that he was immediately. It's going to take some time. That being the case, though, the minute he enters the, uh, the match, we know he's going to be match fit and ready. Uh, obviously, he goes through all the diagnostics, the medical, the clearances, the training sessions. He's not just going to be out there, you know, uh, thrown out into the wind like a uh, like a piece of paper in a Chicago winter storm. Um, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, you like uh, just the idea of the Chicago winter storm makes me want to cringe. But be very careful in putting all your hopes in on Eddie Segura right off the bat. It might take him a game or two to get together, but as the season matures, there's no doubt that he's going to be back in that starting line of playing a full 90. I'm actually going to circle a date for everybody out there. August 10th. August 10th. Philly, any idea what August 10th is in the MLS schedule? The All-Star Game. The All-Star Game. There we go. After the All-Star Game, folks, is when you're going to watch Stevie Chirundula Get back into the lab. I mean, he'll be in the lab the entire time. I'm not saying he's not going to do anything until his laboratory, right? With Didi. And what we're going to see, you guys? I thought you would have found that funny. Is no, I do. I was great. Uh, he just I, ignored I, me. I, I no, you're right here. I can't ignore you. Uh, the thing is, I don't think we're going to see LAFC's MLS Cup winning lineup until after the All Star game because you're going to get a month or so of Eddie Segura playing a bunch of games for the Las Vegas Lights, I think it'll be, and then he'll play a, a few. I mean, when he subs on at the bank, I really hope he makes his season debut back at the bank. Hell yeah. Uh, that's going to be absolutely incredible. We're going to see Giorgio Chiellini, you guys. Oh, my God. Look, Potentially all, against the Galaxy. For all of you out there that are saying he's old, he's this, he's that. He is, You're Scarf. right. He's 37. He's he going to be 38. Like 52. That being said, guys, this is Giorgio Chiellini, the captain of the Azuri, the Euro-winning captain. And look, there is no question he is one of the greatest defenders and greatest players in Serie A history. 
And now he's coming to LAFC. Is he coming to LAFC to start every game 90 minutes and be the enforcer that he was 10 years ago on Juve's back line? No. But he is coming to be a, an absolute force on our back line and in the locker room. You imagine you're Mamadou Fall, you're Jesus David Mario. Hell, you're Sebastian Ibeaga, Daniil Henry, Eddie Segura, all these guys that we have on the back line. Heck, Ryan Hollingshead, Chiki Palacios, <laughs> and uh, and Franco Escobar are going to learn a ton uh, of stuff. so deep. I just, I mean, look at that. That's eight, nine guys that any MLS club would love to have. I can't wait for Chiellini. Uh, are you going to buy that jersey? I'm absolutely going to buy gonna, that jersey. Are you, are you going to wear it when we do the pregame and postgame? I, look, number 14, according to Fanatics, Mark Anthony K's old number. It'll be interesting to see, Philly, if Giorgio Chiellini during his time at LAFC can make more of an impact than our previous number 14. Oh, my God. I mean, oh, actually, yeah, you, you got to More of an we, impact. We, we have him until 2023. <laughs> right. So, obviously, time, time-wise, time it doesn't necessarily work on his behalf. And what? I don't think he's played more than 19 games or 16 games since 2019. I, um, I'm going to be mildly, cautiously, skeptically optimistic. Of course, having a guy like Chiellini here would be awesome. And not only do you have to thank our general management, Will Kuntz and obviously everybody else, John Thorrington yeah. and whatnot, uh, Larry Friedman, but you got to thank uh, Alessandro Del Piero because he was the one that really made the push to bring his buddy here. So we're going to get to see Del Piero. Maybe, maybe, Scarf. Oh my God, I'm about to give him a Scarf Woodrow right Dude. here. John Luigi Buffon attending an LAFC match to see his former teammate. Look, how nuts would you go? I, if you saw him in Founders Club, I am putting how it out nuts there. would you go? I am putting it out there to anybody at Bank of California Stadium. If you see Gigi Buffon at the bank, please text or call or hit up the defenders in some way, shape, or form. That look, guys, I have a Mount Rushmore, and then behind that Mount Rushmore, on top of an even higher mountain, is Gigi Buffon. Gigi Buffon is my favorite player of all time. Obviously, one of the all-time, all-time greats in soccer, let alone Serie A, Juve, Italy, whatever you want to do. Alessandro Del Piero. We got to go to his restaurant, by the way. I, I got to take you out for your birthday. I'm, I know it's late. I'm in. We got to go to that restaurant. I'm in. Number 10 is what it's called. But again, if you, guys, if you guys see Gigi Buffon at the bank, just find me. And then, look, I'll try not to get thrown out of the bank. That's all I got to say. You know uh, people. Philly, by the way... Uh, Let's talk about the number of matches real quick. Two seconds. 26 matches played in 21-22 for Giorgio Chiellini. 21 in Serie A, three in the Italy Cup, one in the Champions League, and the Supercoppa Italiana. So he played a decent amount of matches. 26 minute, or 26 matches, almost, uh, almost 1,600 minutes this last season. So we'll see what we get from him. Uh, let's talk real quick. Uh, Eddie Segura, Las Vegas Lights. He made his Las Vegas Lights debut today and played the first 45 minutes before being replaced by Danny Trejo. More <laughs> on him in a second. Yeah. Las Vegas Lights beat the San Diego Loyal 2-1 yep, yep. in Eddie Segura's debut. The goal scorers for Vegas were Cal Jennings and Danny Trejo. I... You guys, at the game, I was almost in tears. We'll talk yep. about that more in a second Same. for Danny Trejo. And, of course, Philly, yep. a familiar face yep, yep, for the there it is. loyal, the ghost of Alejandro Guido. Oh, my God. He scored against us again. He hates us. A full LAFC affair. Um, 
I don't know. Can we say a full LAFC affair? Because Alejandro Guido <laughs> never actually played. Again, for those of you just tuning into this pod for the very first time, he was, he was a hello, hello there. He was a player that was with us for for a couple of seasons. Yep. And the only time he was about to get some run was during 2020. <laughs> Bob was getting ready to sub him in, and then at the last minute, said no. He put he took his bib off. Threw it in an angerly, angerly like fashion, and that was the last we ever saw of him. So he has all the reason to hate LAFC, oh I guess. God. But yeah, I mean that's kind of cool seeing that USL game. Danny Trejo, God bless you, buddy. Cal Jennings doing awesome things. Uh, in fact, the only Las Vegas Lights game I've ever been to, Cal Jennings did score, and then the ghost Alejandro Guido. Who would have thunk it? I, I want to say Philly. We have to go back and look. I want to say it was actually a Carlos Vela potential injury, right? Like Vela was on the ground, his knee was a little sore or something, so they told Guido to go warm up, and then Vela waves off the trainer, so Bob sends Guido back to the warm-up Oh, warm is that what that was? Oh, you got a good I, memory. I think that's what it was, because he was supposed to come on for... Because Vela was... I think it was Vela, was down for a hot minute, and Vela got that back up and was like, nah, I'm good, I'm going to finish it out. That was the last that we ever saw. He never suited up for LAFC 2019 or 2020. Zero minutes played. He played for uh, for the San Diego Loyal more in 2020 than he had for us in either of the two years. And he only scores against us, by the way. He scores a lot against us. So the ghost of Alejandro Guido is back. Uh, look, Danny Trejo, you guys. When... Our turn was coming up about three hours before the MLS Super Draft a couple years ago when Danny Trejo was available. I tweeted out, you can go back on the Scarf's timeline, that LAFC should draft this kid from Mendota, Danny Trejo. And lo and behold, you guys, LAFC drafted the kid. And I have been rooting for him. And Philly, imagine this, start of the season, right? You've got Carlos Vela, Brian Rodriguez, Chicho Arango, even last year, Diego Rossi. You've got guys like... Bradley Wright Phillips, and you've yeah. got just starter after sub who is just better and more yep. accomplished than Danny Trejo. But now you're giving the Quadwo Pokus and the Cal Jenningses and the Danny Musovskis a little bit of run. Well, lo and behold, with Brian Rodriguez not being able to be back because of the green card travel, that short four-day loan rears its head again for LAFC. And who do they bring up? Danny Trejo, Philly, there's a little video on our Instagram page of him subbing in for the very first time in the 73rd minute for Danny Musovsky. And, and I'm serious, there, there were almost tears in my eyes. I was so happy for this kid from Mendota. Go to ESPN, look up the 30 for 30 on Mendota's high school football team done about five years ago or so. It is an incredible story to read. And that's where this kid is from. This kid had to be a hard worker just in his day-to-day, let alone his time on the soccer pitch. Shattered high school records in the state of California for goals scored. And, And as we are going to talk about during the match, Philly, in his first ever match, he actually plays in the equalizer. It is incredible. Yeah, no, it's it's a great thing. Yeah, we'll we'll certainly talk about that. I've got a lot to say as well about uh, that, but we'll, right. we'll wait. So we no, got a game to cover. Don't no we? former player news. We just did the Las Vegas Lights update with Eddie Segura. The Angel City Minute ACFC fell to OL Rain one nothing on Saturday, June eighteenth, kicking off just seven hours after LAFC did at Lumen Field. Of note, Megan Rapino picked up a second yellow card and a subsequent red after. 
She was subbed out of the game, apparently for giving the ref the wrong directions to Pike's Market. She gave him a bit of how's your father. In Seattle. So, uh, Megan Rapino, you'll be suspended for your next match. Angel City, unfortunately. Her moves. first red card in her 14-year professional career, Is that by true? The way. Yeah. Ah, that's, that ref was giving out all kinds of bad cards during that match, but you'll have to listen to the Angel City chicks and their recap to hear about all that. Or thing. Angels Wear Boots at 4 p.m. on the 110 Football Channel. That's true. You mentioned we played a match up in Seattle at Lumen Field. We should probably get into talking about that because we've only been Yeah, You went to the Emerald City, Scarf. You're off to see minutes. the Sounders. The Sounders in the Yoel rain. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that worked. There we go. I like it. Look, uh, we all know the rivalry between LAFC and Seattle. Um, I will tell you, in the stadium, Philly, before the match, when they play their little hype videos, it was literally about 15 different sections of videos of Seattle guys fouling or knocking the crap out of LAFC guys. And that was how they got everybody amped up about that. That was pretty interesting. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, really full crowd there in the lower bowl. I mean, it was it was one of the better attended MLS games I have ever been to. It was really cool. But, I mean, San Diego Padres fans, have you guys all moved up to Seattle to uh, to cheer on the Sounders? It was quiet. There, you guys. I, I'll say this, and, I, and I'm not talking crap about Seattle or these Seattle fans. It was quiet, number one. The Emerald City supporters, they do a walk from Occidental Park into the stadium. It was, I've been to 20, 25 Seattle Sounders games in my life. I used wow, to be big, really? Yeah. Oh, I used to be a big Sounders fan. I went to two or three games a year up there when I was up there to see my, my buddy Tony. Um, it was the shortest, smallest Group of emeralds, not shortest as in like they were all short people, but like it was a, a short crowd. <laughs> well, you know, Emerald City, right, the Munchkins. Right. I, I, I mean, didn't want people to, to think that I was, you know, making fun of Wizard of Oz. Fair, fair. Like that. By the way, the Munchkins all stayed at the Culver City Hotel. If you guys ever want to hear or read hey, some really cool stuff, Lollipop Guild. You guys should definitely do some fun research on the Culver City Hotel and why they had to build a special fire escape just for the Munchkins because of the havoc that they. You mentioned the Gremlins, your three kittens. The, that was who, honestly, that was who the Munchkins were when they were staying at the Culver City Hotel. They put them up there so they would stay away from the rest of the cast and crew. It was crazy. Uh, that being said, uh, it was a, a very short supporters, Emerald City supporters march in. I was really unimpressed, really unimpressed with their entire section of supporters there in the south end. They actually sit in the south end. We were sitting in the north end of the stadium. Uh, it, it all in all was a very subdued atmosphere. You would think that a team that had just crossed over the playoff line that won the freaking Champions League would have real support Heck from their yeah. fans. I mean, look, they had, what, 34,000 fans there? So it, it was a very well-attended game, but super quiet in the stadium, Philly. No, that that's very crazy, and particularly for a rivalry game of that magnitude. But maybe they don't view us as I, as they a, shouldn't. They whoop our ass every time well, they play. Us. Well, especially every time there. So what? This is like in the seven times. Wait, this was our seventh match up there. Yeah. we're four. We're not four. They are four one and one against us. And uh, the only game that we've won in Lumen slash the Clink. <laughs> crazy. It, it was the very first game yep. of LAFC's like. Inaugural season, the game where Diego Rossi scored the first goal against the Sounders, yep. April of 2018. That is the last time LAFC has won up in Seattle, a house of horrors. So the numbers against us, the turf against us, the, the weather against us, but still... You know these two teams, and I'm gonna—they're destined to meet each other, in my so. opinion, so. in the Western Conference Finals, a rematch of 2019. It's disappointing to hear that it wasn't as loud, but you know what? We, we were loud at every—I'm sure all the watch parties in LA. 
made up for all it, that. It was a really subdued environment. It was it was disappointingly subdued, and I'll talk. I have one little thing to talk about that when we get to scoring our goal. But we want to make sure we hit on something that we talked about earlier. We know that this weekend of games, in addition to the month-long celebration of Pride, this weekend, specifically celebrating Juneteenth, and Major League Soccer has done that in a ton of different ways. Philly, of course, Juneteenth, marking the, the date of the end of slavery in this country as we know it, or the, the, the beginning of freedom, if you will, or the beginning of the fight for freedom for the people who were previously enslaved, mainly black and brown people as part of this country. Juneteenth, a big focus of what was going on this weekend in Major League Soccer. Yeah, absolutely. And for something that occurred well over 100 years ago, where what, the first time it was truly celebrated was June 19th, 1866. It's crazy that it took this long. I mean, June 19th, 2021 is when President Biden signed the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act into law. And for those of you, again, who want to know what the story is with that, again, like, like Scarf mentioned, commemorating the emancipation of enslaved African Americans uh, and it was the anniversary of the announcement of General Order Number 3 by Union Army General Gordon Granger on June 19, 1865 proclaiming freedom for enslaved people in Texas so that's the story behind what that is and interestingly enough I mean it's it's a federal holiday uh, it's a bank holiday there's no post there's no stock market so yeah we're finally celebrating something that should have been on the docket a long time ago if you looked around Major League Soccer, I'm sure you saw some of the numbers on the back of a lot of these players' kits with an interesting floral pattern and arrangement. And if you've gone to the MLS store, you've seen these tops and these amazing jackets we were talking about earlier. But Scarf is going to give you the rundown as to how those patterns were picked out and why. So Scarf, bestow some knowledge upon the millions. And millions. Of why the patterns on all these MLS kits. Yeah, you know, first, I know the, the black community, especially here in Los Angeles, I've seen it celebrated for the last couple of years. But it really, like you mentioned, with President Biden making this a federal holiday and now hopefully the mainstream movement picking up so that uh, we're able to properly honor this incredible occasion becomes just a, a part of our calendar from here on out. It's a day that we remember and a day that we commemorate. But Major League Soccer Clubs marking Juneteenth wearing special jersey numbers and training jerseys for games this weekend. Part of a series of league-wide initiatives that are collaboration between the league, its clubs, and Black Players for Change, an independent group of Black players, coaches, and staff working to bridge the racial equality gap in soccer and society. These jersey numbers are called Freedom to Be jersey numbers. They were designed by Judah Tip Middleton, a black queer artist who was born in Childersburg, Alabama, but is now based in Brooklyn. Where Brooklyn at? The Right here, actually. The vibrant yellow, green, and red color palette represents the blood, soil, and prosperity of Africa and its people, and the design itself represents black influence in culture and is meant to emphasize that we are stronger together. It is a really incredible collaboration between really Major is. League Soccer and Judah Tip Middleton, and look, we couldn't be more proud as LAFC supporters uh, to be able to be a part of making this, uh, putting it on the uh, on the platform, on the pedestal that it should have been, in addition to that, an absolutely incredible rendition, by the way, of Lift Every Voice and Sing before the match. Again, Major League Soccer just doing their part, or at least trying to, commemorate this incredible day. Philly, let's get into the lineups first for Seattle. Brian Schmetzer, most decorated, maybe, coach in recent MLS history. Definitely in recent MLS history. It's, it's interesting, Philly. You got Bruce Arena, you got Siggy Schmidt, you got Brian Schmetzer. I think I'm taking Brian Schmetzer. 
as the best coach in MLS history. I, I know that some of the others have more wins. Well, they also I, have more tenure. Yeah, Don't forget I, about Dominic Kinnear. No, yeah, but what, what I think that Brian Schmetzer has done and Bob Bradley does. in <laughs> Seattle. Yeah, but what I think Brian Schmetzer has done in Seattle in his, what is it, since 2009, so 13 years or so, I think it's the best resume of any MLS coach. That's uh, fair. In in the game today, that's for sure. Our good old friend Stefan Fry and Keeper knew who is really freaking good, guys. Knew who is really good. I really like watching him. I really hate watching him at the same time. Xavier Ariaga, Jackson Reagan, Philly. Jackson, we were watching ECW, or sorry, AEW highlights earlier on, and we mentioned the, what was the Luchador's name? The- Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus. That was a big dude. Jackson Reagan is 6'6", 200 pounds, 23 years old from Seattle. Jackson Reagan is a big dude. I had never heard of Jackson Reagan before this match. He started a bunch of matches for them this season. Born and raised in Seattle. That is not a normal Seattle kid. He is, he is a big kid, 23 years old. Alex Roldan rounding out the back line. We call him the other Roldan. Uh, rounding out the back line for Seattle. This midfielder, Philly, watch out for Obed Vargas. 16 years old. Insane. How do you practice soccer in Anchorage, Alaska? Can somebody tell me that? He's from Anchorage. How do you practice soccer in Anchorage, Alaska? Indoors. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Born in 2005. Philly, I have t-shirts that are older than Obed Vargas. Like a lot of (laughs) t-shirts that are older than Obed Vargas. Like the one you're wearing? Uh, No, Uh, actually, this we made a couple years ago. uh, I mean, I just just took an easy dig. No, that's fine. I mean, it looks looks new. It looks like it hasn't even really been washed. I mean... Thank you. Well, you mainly wear LAFC gear, so I very rarely see you out of LAFC gear. Yeah, this is it's a soft shirt that I wear for my summer camp every now and then. That's what I'm wearing right now. By so, the way, summer camp is one week gone, seven weeks to go in my last of 23 summers as the camp director for my camp. Anyways, Obed Vargas is really fun to watch. He's 16 years old. A guy who I don't like watching very much, Philly, is Albert Rusnak. Came over from RSL for Seattle sensation. this year. He is on the Slovakian national team. He is very, very, very good, and I hate him. Jordan Morris, Nico Lodero, Christian Roldan, and the now tied leading scorer in Seattle Sounders history with Raul Ruiz Diaz. Freddie Montero. I mentioned Raul Ruiz Diaz because he was out with a hammy. The fact that we are not facing Raul Ruiz Diaz makes me smile every single time. You guys know that my adopted national team, when I am not rooting for Italy or the United States, is Peru because I was in Peru as they were playing right across the street from us. Uh, with my middle schoolers, and Raul Ruiz Diaz scored at least a goal, if not two, in the match that we were watching. He is really fun to watch, really good, and only scores against us, it seems. So, gone is Raul Ruiz Diaz for this match. In the 18, Will Bruin, Jimmy Madronda, Kellen Rowe, and a player who I had to look up, the 22-year-old from Brazil, Leo Chu, are the four that will factor into this match. That, Philly, is Seattle. Be a very interesting lineup for LAFC. Yeah. Uh, you forgot, you, you didn't mention Joao Paulo. For those wondering where mm. Joao Paulo was, an yeah, obvious... He's out for the year. Yeah, t- torn ACL, and yeah. they also missing Amar Andrade Gomez. Another, another. Yeah, oh yeah. By the way, sorry, I actually meant to look this up before the match. Where the heck was the problem? Yamar Gomez on... Uh, uh, Yamar Gomez. Uh, I think he had a, a, knee, a, a, knee, a knee knock. A I knee think knock. that's what it was. A knee knock. Or was it a hip thing? What was the I, Scottish team that uh, Nico Hamalainen got, got lent? Is that Kil- Kilner knock? Kil- Kilner knock? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That's yes. what remind, when you said knee knock, it reminded me of knock, knee knock. three umlauts. I, I might be wrong. Wow, on we that. mentioned the ghost and three umlauts on this episode tonight. But yeah, no Yamar Gomez Andrade, no Joao Paulo. <laughs> Did I dyslexic mess up his name? I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, no Yamar <laughs> Gomez Andrade, no Joao Paulo, no Raul Ruiz Diaz, and still they're starting Albert Rusnak, Jordan Morris, Nico Lariero, Christian Roldan, Nuhu. I mean, 
This team Even is, Will Bruin coming off the bench is a killer, especially against LAFC. Deep, man, this team is real. I, pre- I predicted real. them to be supporter shield like early, early They're this gonna year. They're going to have to work for it. They started out a little behind the eight ball. Oh, wait, that's because they were winning the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, let's actually talk about that really quickly before we get into the LAFC lineup. Sure. So, yes, their record in MLS, not to be uh, dis- uh, dis- uh, discounted. What's the word I'm looking at? You yeah. got it. Discounted. Yeah, discounted. Yep. You said it. They won the CONCACAF Champions League. First Major League Soccer team to do so. Incredible. They put all their eggs in that basket. But since that that horrible oust to San Jose in the U.S. Open Cup, this team has gone on a run. In fact, over the course of their last five games... They only lost one. They've won four. They outscored their opponents 10-3. to This team is starting to click and fire on all cylinders. And while a win against LAFC yesterday would not have done anything for them in terms of moving up in the standings, they're in seventh place above the playoff line, uh, it would have been a big statement game, especially against a team that is a Supporters' Shield leader right now and a team that they more than likely could compete against uh, in the Western Conference Final. But yeah, I just wanted to highlight that real quick. Let me say one thing thing about Seattle and then Philly's going to go into the LFC lineup. They are not worried about where they are at all. No, Brian, nor Brian should they Schmitt, be. In fact, the fact that they are already Philly above the playoff line despite having played two less matches than LAFC has so far, excuse me, than uh, Real Salt Lake has on the season. Real Salt Lake, Nashville both played 16, and they are above them in the playoff line. If Seattle just wins their two games in hand, they move to fourth in the table and are not worried at all about anything. So, And they always come out with slow starts anyway. One way or another, they're, they're not a team that fires on all cylinders absolutely. right off the bat. This, this is a team, you guys, look, I, I appreciate that Salt Lake is in second that Austin's in third. I actually am looking forward to FC Dallas playing really well this season as the season moves on. It's going to be LAFC in Seattle at the end, I hope. Yeah, well, no, that's that's what it's going to be. I like it. If all things work out, that's what it's going to be. Anyway, let's get into this game. We've been dilly-dallying, but we've been having fun because it's been three we weeks. We kind of started. I did the lineup. Yeah, and I know but I know you were talking about needing to go to the bathroom, so we should get, get the show on the road. We're good. You got this. What's the lineup for LAFC? Maxime Cripo in between the pipes. Back line, Ryan Hollingshead, Jesus David Murillo, Sebastian Ibiaga, and Chiqui Palacios. Midfield consisting of Jose Cifuentes, Ilya Sanchez, and Latif Blake. Blessing. Latif Blessing, no goals and no assists on the season. Weird. Needs some more offensive production from Latif. And then our front line, Danny the Moose Musaski, Chicho Arango, and Mahala Quadwo Opoku. Our subs, Big John McCarthy, Franco Escobar, Mama Dufal, Daniil Henry, Pancho Janela, Kellen Acosta, Cal Jennings, Danny Trejo, who 24 hours later would score a goal with the Las Vegas Lights, yep. and Carlitos, the guy who we're waiting for to sign a contract. That <laughs> is your LAFC team. Uh, uh, who's the coach? Oh, head coach, <laughs> Stephen Chirundolo. Look, here's here's what I do want to say real quick about LAFC's lineup. I don't know what Philly's playing on his phone right now. But uh, we had five guys who are normally starters that were not starting in this match. I think that is huge. We talked about no Joao Paulo, no Yamar Gomez Andrade, and of course no Raul Ruiz Diaz. Well, Carlos Vela didn't start this match. Brian Rodriguez didn't start this match. Kellen Acosta didn't start this match. Mamadou Fall didn't start this match. Franco Escobar didn't start this match. I think we're looking at five guys who, by the way, five guys. The burger's just okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we're looking at five guys that should have been starters out there that did not start this game. And the fact that we played as well as we did against a pretty talented club in Seattle. I really liked it. That's just my take on it, Philly. Uh, first 10, 12, 14 minutes, 
I want to. I talked about these two kids that were behind me doing play by play. I was listening to these two kids for the first ten minutes of the match. I didn't take a damn note. I have no idea what happened in the first 10 minutes of the match because these kids, it was the green guy against the white guy and then the white guy did the thing and then the green guy took it away. But I know not a lot of stuff happened in those first 10 minutes, but those kids, Philly, they were awesome. You know, here's the ironic part about this. So like LAFC like maintained possession within the first 13 minutes, but this is just so dumb because I missed the first 13 minutes <laughs> as well because I couldn't find parking around Rockin' Riley's. So I literally walked in around the 14th, 15th minute when uh, Seattle started actually maintaining more possession within the first half. So that's funny. You were at the game, didn't take any notes. I was trying to get to the game, didn't take any notes. And both of our notes started around the 13th and the 15th minute. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go because I have the 13th. You go with the 15th. 13th, missed right-footed shot from center of the box. 15th minute, you're up. <laughs> All right. So, I, and I just want to go over real quick, by the way. Um, there are only a few notes, even on the MLS soccer, Major League Soccer Soccer website. There were a couple of attempts missed by Chicho Arango and Jesus David Murillo for LAFC, and two missed by Jordan Morris and Obed Vargas. Uh, it, those are the first 13 minutes. Uh, so, we really didn't miss a lot. And, and to be perfectly honest, there, there wasn't really a whole lot going on for the first 13 minutes. But yeah, in the 15th minute, I thought Murray with some awful 1v1 defending, and somehow Lodiero pushes that one wide. Uh, Philly, I thought after 15 minutes, we could have been down 1 nothing, And then, you know, I don't know, maybe our most important player other than Ilya Sanchez in the match would be Jose Cifuentes. And oh, I've for, got my thoughts on that. For, for delay of game or for. <sighs> I, what what even did what did they say? They said he's shown the yellow card, but I I don't actually remember what it was for. Jose Cifuentes picking up a yellow card in the 16th minute, I thought was something that was just pretty stupid. I'll be honest, I thought it was really stupid that Cifuentes puts himself in a position to pick up a yellow card with 74 minutes left to go against a team that is a handful like Seattle. This is one of those things that Sifu. Look, Sifu hasn't had the season that we would have hoped he would have so far, but he's played very well. Well, I think he times. had one of his... Well, well, we'll talk about that I, later. I think I he have... got... That yellow card snapped him, I think, into a little bit more focus as the rest of the game goes on. But I thought it was a really stupid yellow card. And again, in the 19th minute, another bullet dodged as Jordan Morris absolutely best Ryan Hollingshead 1v1 and was able to cross through the box. Luckily, nobody was at the end of that cross after 19 minutes. And going into the 20th, it's still nothing, nothing, but nervous time for LAFC. Nervous time indeed. And you can tell the game that uh, Seattle played against Vancouver on Tuesday, the 4 nothing butt-kicking of the Whitecaps, knocked the rust right off of Seattle. But I don't think either of these two teams had that much rust because if you think about it, between both clubs, you had 11 players that were gone on international duty that were doing more than just hanging out. So, I mean, Seattle's starting to look pretty good at this point. In the 28th minute, there was a golden opportunity for LAFC. Opoku catches a great pass from who you just mentioned, Jose Cifuentes, yep. and blasts one into Stefan Fry. In fact, not only did he blast one, Mahala took him down, knocked the winds out of his sail. It was nah. a great pass. Nah. What do you mean, nah? Philly, he made that save with each one of his testicles. Oh. He was down. Look, as soon as well, it yeah, happened. Knocked the wind out of him. Philly, knocked, that knocked his grandsister's wind out of him. <laughs> like, that was something. Yeah. We, it would happen right in front of us, Philly. And he did everything that I have ever done when you take one off of the junk like that, except it was from a Mah You mentioned it. He absolutely hammers yeah. this shot. And look, Stefan, I think you have kids already. If you don't, I'm sorry. They're not happening anymore. Dude, that was, <laughs> he literally, it was, 
It was rough to watch Stephen Fry shake that one off. And everybody in the stands, Philly, this was the loudest it got for Seattle all game, other than the goal by Rusnak, which we'll get to. The loudest it got was when Stefan finally hobbles back to his feet at least a minute later, because they were playing in our own end, which wasn't great for us. And he did one of those, Philly, where he puts his hands on his head and just starts breathing as much as he can through his mouth and his nose. And everybody understood in the stands what he was feeling at that moment. <laughs> yeah. Philly, it was rough to watch Stefan Fry have to really reboot the whole system after that. Yeah, that's one of those shots that you catch that would probably scar you and leave you with a little PTSD. But oh. a lot of hustle behind the muscle of Mahala's leg. But you know what? Tip my hat off. An amazing pass by Jose Cifuentes. Yeah. Uh, but there was great pressure defense from our midfield yep. that led to that play happening. That that should have been a goal rather than punching through to Stefan Fry's, um, you know, his man his, parts, his wedding tackle. I mean, they really should, should have really punched it towards the back of the polyethylene. But that was the first example of what would be many LAFC shots that were taken on target, but not necessarily <laughs> anywhere right other at than target. <laughs> right at target. Exactly. That was our first really good golden opportunity. Four minutes later, Christian Roldan gets a pass from Jordan Morris. We we, we avert a, a, another bit of crises right there. Cheeky slipped on that right? nasty wet turf. Right? He he had a clear shot at him, but it went right in the hands of Maxime Cropot. That was, uh, that yeah, was a close call. We got lucky that we watched Cheeky after that. He looked down as if like he had seen something or felt something slip on the turf there. I mean, it was it was weird. He went right down, and oh man, did we get lucky on that? 33rd minute, two across, comes up empty in the box. 34th minute. Look, I loved how upset the Emerald City supporters got with Jesus David oh, yeah, Mario yeah, yeah. going down in the 34th minute, but it looked like he was legitimately fouled. Took By a hard Jordan foul. Morris, yeah. Yeah, took a hard foul just outside of our own box. It was hard to tell because this was happening as far away from us as possible at that moment. But, you know, it was one of those things where. Murray just engendered so much hate in that moment from the Emerald City support. Well, well, the reason why, because the play that happened just before the tackle, Murray like took Vargas down pretty hard. And so that's why the crowd was pissed because they didn't get the call first. And then seconds later, there was that tackle that actually led to the foul. So I don't blame them for that. The call was correct, but the refs definitely missed the first one. Yeah. Look, 37th minute, Sifu with a shot just outside the box. But again, one of those things that we did over and over again, it literally went right to Stefan Fry. I'll say this. The 39th minute Philly could have been one of those unlucky moments for LAFC that I feel like we've endured a few of this season with a ball that kind of pinballs around the box and just goes right to the opposing player. Jordan Morris, by the way, of all the players I don't want it to find inside the box, it finds Jordan. He pushed it not even close to the goal, which was really surprising for me. It would have been an unlucky goal given up there in the 39th minute. Um, Morris, it wasn't it Ladero? I'm pretty sure it was Ladero. Well, you know what? If you from a distance, if you look at Ladero and Morris from on a, a TV, from a, they kind of look somewhat similar, actually. Let's see. Either way, Ladero was a nightmare for wow. us. That guy in, was in everywhere. the 39th minute. The attempt that I'm saying it was missed, Philly. Their MLSsoccer.com is saying Albert Rusnak. <laughs> so, we oh, could, so we're both we could both be wrong. Why not, Samson? Guys, this is going great yeah, so far. Hey, all uh, right. Welcome to Defenders of the Bank. All your LAFC news and notes that you'll ever need. Hey, most, but we most of the time. But hey, at the end of the day, we will admit making a mistake. We did. We just did it, right? Yeah. I love that. Uh, in the 40th, 
Man, Maxime went on walkabout for a minute there. Oh, he came oh, yeah. way oh, yeah. out of goal. Way out of goal. That was a gamble. And, and on the counter, by the way, uh, Stefan Fry makes another great play on Chicho. I really felt like the two goalies were feeling themselves a little bit. It was kind of a good boxing match between the two keepers. <laughs> Stefan Fry certainly felt something and, and look, you know that Maxime Cropeau has a history with Seattle playing in the Cascadia Cup all those years mm. with Vancouver. This is a team that he gets up for. He absolutely does. And, and look, we're, we're going to talk about probably his worst play of the season so far in a little bit. But that being said, Maxime had a pretty good first half uh, in the 42nd minute. A pass over the top to Cheeky, but two defenders were able to squeeze out the ball. And ow. Uh, in the 43rd minute. Ow, I just hit the bottom of the mic stand with my finger and it hurts a lot. In the 43rd minute. Danny Musovsky wide open, but yeah. literally got nothing. It was as if I shot the ball. Oh, yeah. And Moose tried to knuckle that one. First <laughs> he said Moose knuckle. Uh, no, I said Moose tried to knuckle the ball. Right, right, right. Uh, in, uh, in stoppage time, there was one minute of stoppage time. Sebastian Ibiaga got beat for a corner, but absolutely oh, he nothing he gambled happened. and got burned. Oh, my God. This, look, these are the plays that Sebastian Ibiaga makes every now and then. But then he also makes really, really good 1v1 defending plays at times. So that being said, Philly, we go into the half nil-nil. And I think LAFC has to be happy, if not feeling a little lucky, that we're in the half nil-nil. L- lucky for sure. I mean, possession was fairly even. The shots were fairly even. On target, 4-1, to one, though, for LAFC. Fouls, LAFC was a little bit <laughs> on the meaner side. at target rather than on target. Seriously. And Stephen Fry making, you know, four, four really good saves. But you mentioned him earlier, and you have to, like, bring him up again. The Peruvian Pistolier, Raul Ruiz Diaz, on some of those whiffs yeah. that Seattle had, those would have been finishes yeah. that Ruiz Diaz would have had. So we're lucky in a sense that he wasn't there. But... You know, you mentioned you don't like playing against him. To me, it's like, if this truly is going to be a Western Conference final, if we truly want to oh, say for sure, for we're sure. the best, you got to beat the best. And Raul Ruiz Diaz is as good as it comes. 100%. Steel sharpens steel. I could not agree more. Look, it, uh, Philly, uh, you're going to have to remind me, uh, who is the wrestler that says, and I quote, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. Woo! That's right. Oh, I, I, mean, I, was gonna, I thought you were going to talk more about Ric Flair. After that, but you the I know, jet flying, right. <laughs> kiss stealing, limousine wheeling, son of a gun. Right? Look, I don't. But by the way, there's been a, a full mariachi band that has just started. Well, they're probably trying to drown us out because we're the, being so friggin' loud in the corridor outside of Nina's apartment here. But that being said, look, it it's going to be one of those things where we've gone through every team that we've needed to go through against Se- other than Seattle when the moment was the biggest, and so I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, Philly. I think. That will be, if not the Western Conference Final, the only reason why it won't be the Western Conference Final, Philly, is if Seattle doesn't make it up to the number two spot by the time that the season ends, but I I totally think that they will. So that being said, nil-nil going into the half. We start the second half with a substitution. Mahala coming out of the match. In comes Carlos Vela. Will this be? His third to last game that he has ever played for nah, LAFC. No way. I don't know. But that being said, in the 48th minute, Albert Rusnak and Christian Roldan getting some shots in on target. It was Albert Rusnak had to have a shot saved, but it was a pretty easy save there by Maxime Cropo and then Roldan missing on target. And Philly, look. I felt like Brian Schmetzer maybe made a couple better adjustments coming into the match. I don't think Mahala had a very good first half at all. He was pretty much nowhere to be found for most of the match. Well, he did have that 
golden opportunity. Yeah, but he's got to put those. He's got to put it somewhere other than right at the keeper. Fifty seventh minute, you started to feel like the ball and everything was being played downhill just a little bit for Seattle. Freddie Montero missing a right-footed shot from just outside the box, high and wide. Jordan Morris with a header on the pass. But man, that guy that they get from Real Salt Lake, maybe the final piece they hope to really pushing them back over the top, a a player who really did help them win CONCACAF Champions League. (sighs) You can't pass the ball right to him, Philly. No, uh, you can't. You, you can't. And then you got the Slovakian sensation, Albert Rusnak, intercepting a ball from Maxime Kripov. Did he intercept it, or did he just step in front of the pass that Maxime gave? Very him? reminiscent about a goal that we gave up to FC Cincinnati, yes. by the way. Yes. So yeah, uh, yeah. So as a result of oh. that faux pas by Maxime Kripov, look. I know Canadians are really nice people, but he yeah. hand-wrapped, gifted, and gave it right to Albert Rusnak, and that's your first goal of the game. And the crazy oh. thing is, that was Albert Rusnak's first goal as a member of the Seattle Sounders. He signed in January. We're, we're six, we're, he's six months in it. Well, obviously, the season's not six months, but it's crazy that that was his first goal, but not... Not the kind of goal that you would want to give up. Maxime Cripeau would probably be the first to admit I messed that one up oh. badly. But yeah, that was um he was playing well up to that point. He did a lot of really good things, took a lot of gambles, but man, that was yeah, there's no excuse for that kind of mistake. And it's not only it's not the first time he's done it this season. Again, go back to the to the the, the reels of FC Cincinnati. Something very similar happened, but as a result of that, 58th minute, down one nothing in a place that we don't historically succeed in. Yeah, look, I, I do want to make one small correction. Albert Rusnak did score in the Champions League for regular uh, MLS regular right. season. Uh, but that being said, Rusnak, you can't Maxime, you can't pass the ball right to him, bud. Like it was that was bad. And and having been, what, 50 feet from where the goal was scored, Maxime just put his head down, and he said a lot of words that we can't repeat here on this podcast because he knew absolutely Because it happened. was in French. Uh, it was in French, yes, exactly. Uh, and I forget the defender. It may have been Sebastian Ibiaga. Came right over to him, picked him up, patted him on the butt, and said, it's all right, we got you. But you could tell Maxime was heated yeah. at himself. After this, in the 60th minute, Chicho on a break, but Xavier Ariaga with a great bit of 1v1 defending on Chicho at the hour mark, which, by the way, is just about where our podcast has hit for uh, for today's episode. And oh, yeah, I so said it would be a short episode. Yeah, I think you just I need to not say it's a short episode. When you don't say it, we're under an hour. When you say it, we're over an hour. Look, I, I didn't get a chance to watch SportsCenter last night, Philly, but in the 64th minute, Stefan Fry. With those two saves, you guys, go back and watch the highlight if you didn't get a chance to watch the game. Stefan Fry in the 64th minute with two saves that were absolutely bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. The second one on Chicho, they're both great saves, but my problem is exactly what Philly already brought up, what we've already talked about. The two balls went right at Stefan Fry both times. It just happened to be that Stefan was in impeccable position to make those two saves. But in the 64th minute, look, when you watch career highlights of Stefan Fry, 
I am 8,000% sure that those two saves that he made in the 64th minute are absolutely going to be on his career highlight reel. They were the stuff of absolute legend. And look, the greatest keeper in Sounders history and one of the 10 greatest keepers in Major League Soccer history showed exactly why. Stefan Fry with two incredible saves. And then it was sub time, Philly. We had subs for LAFC in the 65th minute. Kellen Acosta and Franco Escobar coming off the bench. I'll take that. Thank you very much. Ryan Hollingshead, and you mentioned it, Philly, still with no goals and no assists on the season. Ryan Hollingshead. Latif Blessing. Yeah, that's, I was going to say, Ryan Hollingshead. Kellen Acosta and Franco Escobar coming out for Ryan Hollingshead and Latif Blessing. Will Bruin coming in for Freddie Montero in the 67th. And in the 73rd minute, Philly, I, I was almost in tears. Not because San, uh, Seattle didn't put a face on him when he was subbing in on the, on the Jumbotron That there. was funny. Good video, that, by the way. That was, he didn't have a face, you guys. It was uh, the invisible man, Danny Trejo. But the fact that this kid from Mendota High School, this kid from Central California in a town that is all about farming workers, migrant workers, getting up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning to put in uh, a 12-hour day, sometimes instead of going to high school, putting in several hours of work before you go to high school, whatever it might have meant for this kid. And, and the people of Mendota are some of the hardest working people, not just in the state, but in our entire country. You guys, this kid has struggled and fought and battled, broke high school records to get to where he has gone to, got a full ride to play and, and in college. And I just... I don't know that I've ever been happier for a kid to get his first minutes in a professional soccer uniform than I have been for Danny Trejo in the 73rd minute coming on for Danny Musovsky. Well, technically, he was getting paid as a member of the Las Vegas. Sure, sure, sure. But this is this is where his dreams and hopes and everything, this is where he wanted to get to, Philly. Playing where the where the the home of the twelfth man, Lumen Field, Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Sounders. I mean, we're OL Rain. We're talking about a stadium that was likely Philly, the biggest he has ever played in. A crowd that was likely Philly, the biggest that he will play in this season. Because I don't think we play Atlanta this season, right? So I think that'll be the the thirty four thousand that they had at Lumen Field will be the biggest crowd he plays for this season. This is a kid, Philly, that earned his shot. No, without a doubt. And he, and we, t- I talked about this in great depth when we'd give our like stock up, like at the, at the end of like the 110 like game shows. Yeah. Uh, to me, he, his, he was a stock up. He actually was an initial public offering. He, he IPO'd. <laughs> and so there's, there's, get in stock early. Up. Get in early. Yeah. I mean, he, he had a nice pop. We're going to talk about his contributions, but here's a kid who got drafted. You called it. I wanted an Indiana guy. You, you called for the local guy. And we obviously got the local guy. His first minutes as a member of an LA, of, of LAFC. He's obviously been a member of the lights these past two seasons. He is currently the leading scorer for the Las Vegas with eight goals he is one of those amazing human interest stories where you have to tip your hat off to hard work you're talking about his background where he came from this kid worked his tail off worked his friggin tail off and he gets awarded the ability to play for LAFC for the black and gold I mean such a cool thing initial public offering his stock was high like you I was excited to see him come into the game and it wouldn't be the only time we would mention his name yeah, for the record, we talked about two players uh, leading into the draft for LAFC potentially 
to draft. And uh, the player that you mentioned, Josh Penn, was his name, drafted by Inter Miami in the with the tenth pick. And just four picks later, it was Danny Trejo in the twenty twenty one. MLS Super Draft, a draft that gave us the likes of Daniel Pereira from Austin FC, Calvin Harris for FC Cincinnati, a couple of players that are going to be very, very good moving forward in this league. But I'm just so proud of Danny Trejo getting minutes for LAFC. That being the case, more subs. Obed Vargas and Xavier Ariaga would come out for Kellen Rowe. Well, Ariaga got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt, he and did. that's where I think things started falling off the cliff. Sure. Uh, so Rowan Madronda come in. Lodiero gets a yellow in the 77th minute, and Philly just two minutes later. Let's break down how it happens. A pass comes in to Danny Trejo on the left side of the box, and Danny Trejo's header finds Chicho, Chicho Arango, and Philly. Maybe catching Stefan Fry a little out of position there. Without a doubt. In fact, that play sort of began with Stefan Fry because his kick to the midfield was caught up by LAFC. Yep. There was a volley that uh, Chicho ch- chest trapped and passed off to Jose Cifuentes. Cifuentes lobbed that ball in where, you know, Trejo was in the box with a Seattle Sounders defender. And yes, Chicho got his head on the ball and Stefan Fry having a fantastic, marvelous game at this point, lets in a goal that he would probably nine out of 10 times stop. But Chicho certainly got rewarded for his efforts. In fact, he led all LAFC players with four shots. So finally, he gets the goal that he deserves. LAFC finally gets the goal that we deserve. And this is Chicho's 18th goal as a member of the Black and Gold since signing from Millonarios last August. So congrats to Chicho. Congrats to LAFC. And I got to say, man, what a sigh of relief. It would have sucked to have gone down in Lumen Field because of a careless error. This was an exciting game. It would have sucked. It would have been such a blemish, such a heartbreaker. After waiting for three weeks, an error would have cost us that game. But no, Chicho saved our butts. Thank God. Yeah, look, he did that a lot last season. Let's hope he gets back into the swing of things and starts doing that again for us this season. I'm kind of bummed, Philly, because I am going through the official stats right now for that game, and they do not, as of right now, have Danny Trejo credited with an assist. I don't know how that's the case. See, if you look at the replay again, it sort of looked like it might have come off the Sounder defender. But either way, Danny Trejo, whether it came off of his head or the Sounder, and I couldn't tell who it was because the way the numbers were looked on on the instant replay, I, I don't know for sure. But either way, he affected that ball regardless. Yeah. So that ball made its way over to Chicho because of Danny Trejo's presence in there, but that wouldn't have been there had it not been for Jose Cifuentes. Jose Cifuentes should get that hockey credited uh, like ghost assist because sure. that's how that play really went down. Yeah, look, 80th minute, a little bit of a, a worrying situation here as Chicho Arango is down, and he was down for, in terms of game time, maybe two and a half, three minutes right there at the end in about the 80th minute. Uh, Pancho Ginella, by the way, while he's down, comes in for Jose Cifuentes. But Chicho, down for a little bit there. And it's tactical. It was, he needed a break. Yeah, I mean, look, it was nervous time. Uh, by the way, it took until the 84th minute for Carlos to get an attempt anywhere near goal. And that was a header from the center of the box. He missed to the right, uh, assisted, by the way, by Pancho Ginella 
on that. So that would have been kind of fun if Pancho comes in in the 80th minute. Yeah, Pancho gets a goal. Philly loves Pancho Janela. Yeah, he's if there's an LAFC player that I would say has thoroughly been disappointing to watch for you, for me yeah. personally, not yep. for everybody. Yeah. And, and I don't. I mean, there's plenty of things he do, does well. Like is that? I mean, yes. <laughs> For the amount of money we pay him, Pancho Janela, to me, is, is, has been a bust. A very young player. Obviously, you can't say a 21, 22-year-old kid is a bust. But, I mean, he makes way more money than Latif does. Um, but uh, I guess neither one. Neither one have <laughs> zero goals, zero assists for Latif so, yeah, so, the season. So, so, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I guess, hey, whatever. Uh, I had to look up who Leo Chu was. He subbed on in the 88th minute, the 22-year-old from Brazil for Jordan Morris. So, hey, look, we took out Jordan Morris in the game, so I was happy about that. Uh, six minutes of stoppage time, Philly, and it was foul after foul. LAFC did some superior time wasting in the, uh, <laughs> in stoppage time. I don't love that, but I love that today. And in what wound up being the seventh minute of six minutes of stoppage time, it literally happened at like 96.02, Jimmy Madronda with a shot right at, mm-hmm. right at, mm-hmm. thank goodness, Stefan, can you, I mean, right at Maxime Cropot. Can you imagine, Philly? As no. the horn sounds, no. they get that goal. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. So that's the whistle. That's full time. That's 1-1. One, one. And I'll say this, Philly. I mentioned to you there were two times where the crowd was loud. They were loud when uh, Murray kind of dogged it right near the box on the foul call. They were loud when Rusnak scored the goal. When LAFC scored the goal, I stood up to cheer. I yelled like a crazy person. Nina and Panda stood up beside me. Then they sat back down, and I was still going, Woo! Let's go! Come on! Philly, not a single fan in the entire section. There must have been three, 400 people in that section. Not a single fan turned around to boo me, to tell me to shut up. Not a single fan was booing Seattle or LAFC for scoring. I I don't know what happened, Philly, but all of a sudden, that place turned into a library. I turned around. I thought I was being punked, like like maybe it was called offside. I didn't see it or something. Nobody said a damn thing. But the loudest it got after that, the referee blows the final whistle, and the Sounders supporters booing Seattle off the pitch. Maybe they were booing the refereeing. Maybe they were booing LAFC. But this was a team, Philly, that got booed off the pitch by their own people. What did you put in your mouth that you are picking pieces out of? Like over and over, what did you do? That was one of my uh, little CBD spitless pouches. It um it exploded in my mouth. Giggity. Words so, that I never want to utter again so, in public. So, I mean, I was surprised Seattle turning on their team, or maybe it was us, or I don't even know. Philly, your man of the match for this <coughs> Seattle Sounders LAFC 1-1 draw. So, I mean, it would be easy to say Chicho Arango. It yeah. would be easy to credit him because he had four shots. It would be easy to credit him because he fought hard. It would be easy to credit him because he scored the only goal. But he is not my man of the match. Woo! Jose Cifuentes is my man of the match. I knew that was coming when I said that I thought Cifu has not played very well. So I think this was one of his best games because he was a part pretty much of every bit of offense. He facilitated quite splendidly from the midfield. That 
shot by Mahala that knocked the hell out of Stefan Fry's junk. That was a pass <laughs> really from did. Jose Cifuentes. Really on did. on two at the very least on two, perhaps even three of Chicho's shots serviced by Jose Cifuentes. Giggity. That goal, that uh, Sifu ended up like clearing some space, had himself a really good shot, but Stefan Fry blocked it. I'm still waiting for that Sifu goal rocket right outside of the box, right? as we saw during his like international days for the U- U-20s of Ecuador. But he also contributed to our goal because it was his pass, his volley, directly over to Danny Trejo that led to Chicho's goal. So Sifu played exceptionally well, one of his better games, and he has quietly become the team leader in assists. So he's tied with Carlos Vela with three assists. But yeah, Jose Cifuentes gets my my nod because he made a lot, a lot of plays happen. Yeah, I'm going to go with the easy one for me, Philly. It's the kid that I've been rooting for for the last year and yeah, a half. The IPO. I, absolutely. I'm going with Danny Trejo. His first 17 minutes of professional action. Congratulations to Danny Trejo. He is my man of the match, who I still think he had an assist on the header, but I'll have to go back and watch He the didn't goal. get the credit. He I, did not get the credit. I, I know. It's a super bummer. I just went on MLSSoccerSoccerSoccer.com, and uh, it turns out he didn't get the assist. But that being said, that's, that's my man of the match. Philly, after 15 weeks of the Major League Soccer season, just 19 weeks to go now, LAFC remains at the top of the table, 30 points on the season, two points clear of RSL, and three points ahead of both NYCFC and Austin. Best in the West and best in MLS. And LAFC has two more matches in June. And Philly, thank goodness, they are both at Bank of California Stadium they take on Philly. What do you call this team again from uh, Harrison, New Jersey? The New Jersey Energy Drinks. The New York Red Bulls. Sunday, June 26th at noon. And just three days later, June 29th, Dallas and current U.S. men's national team darling Ricardo. Oh, no, no, wait, not Ricardo Pepe. Oh, yes. yeah. Jesus Ferreira. What, whatever. He went to Augsburg and he's never. Was it Augsburg's or Wolfsburg? Augsburg. Augsburg, right? Yeah. Is, is he on a milk carton? Where? What happened? I, I think Augsburg's realizing that they took the wrong player. Dude. Pepe was solid that previous season, but this kid, Jesus, is dynamite, man. I, he is certainly killing it for FC Ribeye State. I just... They, they paid so much money for Ricardo Pepe, and he's done... They played a prank on me. Absolutely nothing for this club. I mean, it is rough to see what Ricardo Pepe has become. But don't worry, they found someone for sure in Jesus Ferreira did FC Dallas. I'm trying to go through. I'm looking at the squad. Here we go. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm doing other things while I'm talking about this. Uh, Ricardo Pepe for FC Augsburg. Uh, zero goals, zero assists. Uh, How many appearances? Oh, this is 22-23. Give me 21-22. There we go. <laughs> yeah, 11, he wouldn't have played yet. Scott. 11 appearances. I don't know why it switched it. 11 appearances and 170 giggity ball actions. I don't even know what that means. Uh, zero goals and Is zero Is similar to you getting balls in the assists. pockets earlier? Philly, he only ran 62.3 kilometers all season, so I don't know what that means. I certainly did more than that on my bike this week. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Ricard- I'm just going to read to you. <laughs> this is fun. Ricardo Pepe played his last game on the 33rd match day of the 2021-22 season on May 8th, 2022. He lost to RB Leipzig 0-4. He was substituted in and played as a forward for 33 minutes. In terms of total touches, he had seven individual touches. Seven. <laughs> in, in all fairness, Scarf, 
Take a look at where Augsburg is on the table. Yeah, they're awful. They're they're not a good team. So to realize to think that this teenage kid is going to go out there and make a big impact in a cellar dweller in the Bundesliga, that might be somewhat of a naive perspective as well. There's no way. I mean, Augsburg's a POS. That's a team that's yeah. in, in relegation mode. So what's he going to do uh, positively uh, with a team like that? Played 11 matches of which Augsburg won two. Yeah, that's that's not that, that's horrible. Augsburg is not good. Ferreira, by the way, in their last match, the U.S. men's national team, he had not one, not two, not three, but four. Four goals in the match, Jesus Ferreira. Uh, uh, uh. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch Jesus come in for FC Dallas. Philly, this has been a nice short episode, only an hour and 18 minutes, going on an hour and 19 minutes. And, yeah, and, with no editing, that's what it's going to remain. Yeah, anything left to say to the Millions? Uh, and millions. Um, it's it was a nice three week vacation. I know a lot of people were clamoring about one more sleep and more content. We needed a break. We needed to re-energize. We needed to gas up the tank because we're about to set this mother on fire with the rest of the season. Because best in the West, best in MLS, nine three and three, thirty points back at Bank of California Stadium. Going to take on the New Jersey Energy Drinks, a team I hate almost as much as the Galaxy <laughs> FC Ribeye Steak. Why do you Couple. hate them so much? Why? I mean, yeah. for the same reason that a lot of LA. See people hate the galaxy. I'll get into that. I'll save it for that pod. Okay. I'm going to be, uh, you know, doing a couple of things that I, I think I'm going to like pop into Voices of the Black and Gold to talk about my hatred for the New Jersey Energy Drinks. I think you and I are doing pre and post with 110. I'm going yeah. to talk about my hatred from them for them as well. But yeah, I mean, dude, we're back. We're back at it again. Back in business, and it feels so good. Best in the West. Best in MLS. Um, and our loss is not even that bad. Colorado, Galaxy, and Austin, all yeah. pretty good teams. I'm yeah. feeling confident about everything going on right now. Two episodes until 200, friends. And you you know how we like to end all 198 of them. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.